0: I mean, the Catholics could have said grace alone uh, because they had this infused grace idea that now uh, allows our works to be meritorious before God. But no, uh, for Luther, it's faith alone as well that grabs onto this promise of the gospel. And by that faith, we have God's righteousness imputed to us, given to us wholly as a gift.
1: 500 years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called Table Talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio.
2: Welcome to Table Talk Radio for another edition. <laughs> I'm Evan Gigline with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Wake up. Oh, yeah, we, we do these things way too early in the morning. Oh, what time is it there, like 1130? I mean, well, they're it's, ringing it's the lunch lot. bell and you're waking up now? <laughs> oh, I all get all it. the
0: other seminarians are praying terse or whatever and you're, uh, and you're just waking up. They've all finished praying three of the seven hours.
2: (laughs) Oh, I get it. You don't remember what it's like to be single. See, single people go out and have fun on the weekends. (laughs) It's been a while since you've had that experience. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) Well, you are in tune for a great edition of Table Talk Radio. We're starting out the show playing Text Message Theology. Um, that that's how Pastor Wolfmiller went through seminary is, is text messaging uh, theology questions and and getting the answers <laughs> for all those papers. I don't even know if
0: they had text messaging when I was in the seminary.
2: Oh yeah, I had explained oh. it to you last time. So that's he, right. That's right. <laughs> After that, we're playing uh, Iron Preacher, Iron a favorite p- oh! of, of some of our listeners uh, for Table Talk Radio, uh, and also a favorite of Pastor Wolfmiller because it, it puffs up his head for a couple a uh, couple segments. Uh, right. And then we're finishing up some sort of form of name that theologian. Uh, is that right, Pastor Wolfmilling?
0: Yeah, name that theologian, and we're doing it um, Hollywood Squares style. So our, our, our the challenging preacher, uh, Eric Brown, will remain on for the last segment, and and uh, and he'll give the answers, and then you have to confirm or deny if his answers are right or wrong for your points. So. Now we've done this before, right? Yeah, we did it with uh name that church council. Uh, back in our Papal Bull edition, so we we'll, it went pretty
2: well then. So we'll see how. Yeah, I think I remember getting a lot of points in that one. So yeah, I'm all about this show. Yeah, when you don't have to do the thinking for yourself, <laughs> you have a, a distinct advantage. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. <laughs> and let's play text message theology here on Table Talk Radio. Um, what should our our first question be? Um, I know this is this is one that you actually have an article on our website at TableTalkRadio.org. And it's one that actually gets a lot of hits uh, from Google searches. And I think you have this article on your website, too, at at Hope Lutheran. Um, But it's just a simple question. How do you know if God loves you? So I'm going to be typing that in. Okay, the text message is off, and we'll we'll see what they say. But, yeah, uh, you can kind of tell what what search terms people are searching for when uh when, the, when they hit your website and and sure enough people type this question in a lot to google and they find our find our article by you so i feel bad that they find your article uh, i think i should i should write one uh instead though
0: yeah, have you written an article for our website yet? <laughs>
2: you know, I did. Oh, oh what, I never what? put it up, though. So
0: You did? Yes. Put it up there. What's it called? I tips for being a lowly seminarian?
2: <laughs> tips on lowliness from the lowly more, seminarian. Or my dating tips that we talked about last time on Table Talk. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> my life is a radio clown, Evan Gaglin. <laughs> oh. Okay, we got the text message back. Uh, and the answer is, God loves us because of who he is. God is love. Well, Pastor, oh, well, what do you, you make go. of that answer?
0: Uh, yeah. This is tough to think about. This, I mean, okay, that's right. God is love, so we'll, let's just start there, and, and we can say that that's true. John says it two or three times in his first epistle. God is love, and and this is the essence of God is to love. But this is a complicated reality because we are, by our very nature, which is stained and corrupted by sin, we are unlovable. So. Uh, while God is love, we, as natural creations, are, uh, are the objects of His wrath and of His anger, not of His love. It's it's only then in Jesus and in His death on the cross that God comes and, like Luther says in Heidelberg, this is a beautiful, one of the Heidelberg Theses, that God's love makes us lovable, and He and He does that in the sending of His Son into our sin, into our death, so that He could so that he could forgive us all of our sins and and make us reflect his own beauty and love. So it's true that God's essence is to love, but but it's a little bit more dynamic than that because the love of God is seen really only or through uh the death of Jesus on the cross. And it's when we see Jesus dead on the cross that we um that we know that God loves us.
2: Yeah, uh we some we sometimes talk about this uh a generic God that we kind of all believe in. You know, we have God, and we in God we trust, and all of our coins, and um, you know, you you. Uh, in fact, uh, Pastor Wolfman, you've done this before going out the streets and just ask people questions about God, and, and sure, they they realize a God, and this is kind of the, the 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 concept that God loves you. I mean, I, th- I think most people. Once you agree, Pastor, well, most people, if you went out on the streets and asked them, "Does God love you?" or is God love?" Of course, I think they would say yes. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, although. M- they would, I think people say yes, but I'm not sure if they actually really believe it or if they begin to think about it even just a little bit, then they have to start to question that. Uh, and I f- find that it's when people look around and see that, wait, it doesn't quite look like uh, God loves me. In fact, it looks like what's going on in my life means that God hates me. Uh, it's then when they're ready to to hear the gospel, the, when the law has done its work and, and crushed them. But yeah, most people kind of live their lives of in ignorant uh, ignorant bliss of the wrath of God and of even of their own sinfulness.
2: Yeah, I think I was reading uh, Gerhard O'Forty, uh, Theology for Proclamation. He said that uh, the the God that does not preach is a God of wrath. Um, and that being, of course, when we when we proclaim the name of Jesus, pro- proclaiming what what God has done for us in Christ, that's where we see the love of God. Um, not this, just I mean, again, that, that that's a quotation of Scripture. God is love, but we see God's love in Christ, as you said. Right. All right. Well, should we do another question on text message theology then? Yes. Okay. Um. Here, here's another good question. Well, let's just kind of flow from that last question. Then, who is Jesus? That'd be a good question to know from our, our text message people on the other side. <laughs> what did we? we didn't
0: text? we ask a question like that last time we did it too? What, what did? And is your question, "What is Jesus?" or "Who? Who is Jesus?" Okay, good. Uh, d- didn't we do something similar? And they, th- th- this is, a, I think, a funny answer. Let's see what they did this time. Did they answer the same question differently? Do you know
2: that? This this is actually how it works. Uh, it, it's this uh, service. It's kind of like a search engine. They're called Cha Cha, and uh, they have a, a bunch of people, what they call guides. i uh, have probably a bunch of college kids that, that don't have a real job, and they send man. their computers. <laughs> they they sit on their computers and, and wait for these questions to come in, and they find the answer on the internet, and then they send you the response. So I could get a completely different response depending on which guide I get, and depending on what websites they visit. Nice. Okay, and here's the answer. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeshua, which is Hebrew for Jesus, is the promised Messiah for Israel, Hebrew for Christ in the Old Testament.
0: That's weird. That's a weird kind of
2: answer. <laughs> uh, it's funny that
0: it gets into the into the languages, isn't it? Yeshua is the... Uh, the Joshua is the Hebrew name. Uh, for Jesus is the Greek name brought into English. Uh, but then Hebrew for Christ... Uh, uh, or Hebrew for Messiah, it said. Messiah is the Hebrew word, meaning the anointed one, and Christ then is the Greek word there. So uh, I don't quite know what they're talking about. Do you have an idea about
2: it? Well, the interesting thing is, is just kind of define or or translate the words um, isn't telling us a whole lot about who Jesus is. Um, I guess I'd be looking more for an answer of describing who he is. He is the the Son of God who uh, was born... Uh, a flesh of a virgin mary and who suffered uh, lived a perfect life and suffered um, the penalty for sins on the cross in our place and that's that's the jesus i want to hear about
0: well yeah and you can actually find that definition of jesus in the name remember uh, uh yeshua or jesus is uh is the um is putting together of the two hebrew words yah which is the abbreviation for god the lord and shuv which is saves and the angel tells uh joseph that this is why he's to name his child Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So we do have in the very name of Jesus exactly who he is and what he does, is that he is the promised Messiah who uh, by his death on the cross saves his people from their sins. And so there is no other name uh, given in heaven and on earth by which we must be saved except for this name Jesus, uh, because it's only in, in Jesus that we find God and man together Uh, flesh uh, the the humanity and the divinity joined together in in one and we also find him dead on the cross under the wrath of god for our sins so you could do it by the name but they didn't quite uh they didn't quite they didn't quite get there
2: okay and as you were as you were responding right there i was typing in our last question and that is what is the article upon which the church stands or falls is the final question and uh, just waiting for this uh, response here.
0: Now we know that Luther taught, of course, that the article is the article of justification—the for free forgiveness of sins for the sake of Christ. So we'll compare uh, what we know from the scriptures and our Lutheran theology to what the the Cha Cha tells us.
2: All right, and the and the answer is justification is the doctrine by which God forgives all sins for believing in Christ. What? That's a pretty good answer.
0: Holy schmoly! Maybe there Uh-oh. are seminarians over at the Cha Cha. <laughs>
2: This question stayed uh, in the seminary. Someone else. <laughs> this question got sent to someone else here at the seminary. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I think we're we're about out of time uh, for this game, Text Message Theology. But don't go away. Right after this, we're playing Iron Preacher, I got preacher I got uh, and we'll have <laughs> we'll have our judge and our challenging preacher with us right after this break. Don't go away. Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. To Table Talk Radio, uh, we are playing the game Iron Preacher, and uh, I would like—he <laughs> he loves doing that. <laughs> I do. Um, it's true. I love it. We uh, we have our our guest uh, judge here in studio slash dorm room, uh, Doctor Call for
0: Kincher. Extra he's, points for extra for <laughs> points for bravery for Doctor
3: for <laughs> for coming into your dorm room. Well, it, it's actually a very pleasant domicile, I must say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, welcome to uh, to Table Talk Radio. And uh, also on the line we have Pastor Eric Brown. He's pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Lahoma, Oklahoma. He's the challenger of the Iron Preacher. Welcome, Pastor Brown.
4: Glad to be here today. Glad to be here. Oh, here
0: it comes! <laughs> I love this. Oh.
4: And now, ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourselves for Table Talk Radio's
3: Iron Preacher!
2: <laughs> All right, you're getting carried away, Pastor Wolfmiller.
4: <laughs> I'm getting pumped up you're here. Ready I'm ready to, to Iron Preach. <laughs> That's the bold opening music. I'm born in Chicago.
2: This is great Our, for me. Oh, so that that has a special? Are you offended then that the Iron Preacher would steal that for his his own glory?
4: <laughs> uh, okay, let me let me do the part. The Iron Preacher is that's nothing to me. I will slay him today. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> I better
2: give you guys your text so you can get going on this sermon. Uh, and the text is this: It's Luke chapter nine fifty seven through sixty two. Let me go ahead and read that. And as they were going along along the road someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, and Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Permit permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said to them, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, "No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God." This is our text. So, uh, go and get the, the preachers on their uh, working on their outlines, and uh, we will be back with you briefly right after this uh, break. But first, we're talking with Doctor Um Now, uh, Doctor Frickenscher, our, our fearless preachers are working on an outline and one of the first things they'll be creating is a sermon theme. Would you
3: first discuss the importance of a sermon theme and maybe what should be entailed in a sermon theme? You bet, absolutely. Uh, Really, the sermon theme is fundamental to a a solid sermon. Uh, I always like to think in terms of the hearers and say, if the hearers are not able to recognize your point, the point you're trying to make, then they're going to leave without having really felt they had uh, received much, certainly not much they can keep. And in order for them to understand the point, It's essential for you, the preacher, in preparing the sermon to understand what your point is, too. A theme is essentially a one-sentence summary of what the entire sermon is about. Uh, I really stress it being a sentence because, as I often say, phrases raise possibilities. Sentences actually make points. Uh, there's the old line about uh, when you tell a story, have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Well, it certainly works also for sermons. So what a preacher wants to do in in my concept is to, first of all, look at the text, study the text, and see what point the text is making, and then come up with a one-sentence summary, a, a short, concise, and ideally a memorable sentence that expresses that. Uh, when you're looking at what the theme should be, Of course, the the first thing, as I've already said, is it should be the point of the text. But it's important to understand that the point of the text, ultimately, if understood in the full context of Scripture, is always going to be proclaiming Christ and him crucified. So we want to find out what the text is saying in terms of Christ, how it takes us to Christ and the cross, and then express that uh, in that concise sentence, from which every other sentence in the sermon ultimately will be built.
2: Now, uh, we talked last time you were on the show when we played uh, Iron Preacher, and we talked about this division between law and gospel. It sounds like what, what you're saying in the theme, it needs to be gospel. Is there a temptation then when we read text to find the
3: law, to find what we should do in the text? Uh, that's a big temptation, and often it is the, the first place we would go in a superficial reading of the text. Now, I don't want to tip off our two preachers, but as <laughs> we read the text you have just given us, there would be a very easy, very simple Uh, solution to uh, the question, what's the point of the text, that would wind up having us uh, hear nothing but what we are supposed to do. I doubt that either of these two skilled uh, preparers and proclaimers of God's word will fall into that trap, but we'll see.
0: Especially with all the time we have. Exactly, all (laughs)
3: that time to carefully consider. But the fact of the matter is, uh, a a text uh, often does tell us what we should do or not do, no question, that's a part of what texts do, because they do proclaim to us the law. But they're always proclaiming the law only as a way of showing us our need, ultimately, for the gospel, which again is Christ, what He has done on the cross to take away our sins, to take away uh, the things, uh, the, the the punishment for the things we have failed to do. Often, things that the text would would suggest. Or in another way, uh, and there are a number of ways, uh, to bring us out of the dilemma, the problem, the, the desperation uh, in which we find ourselves, which is also sometimes suggested in a particular text. And so uh, I always tell my students that when you have formulated this, this one sentence that you think will be the summary of your sermon— One of the first uh, checkpoints to subject it to, uh, before you're sure that's really where you want to settle, is the question, can you see from this one sentence how you can preach both law and gospel in the sermon with the gospel predominating, in other words, the gospel winning out? And that usually is most easily achieved when the theme sentence is a statement of gospel. If it's not, then the preacher has to uh, respond to that red flag and say, well, I, I can see where even though my theme sentence is a lost statement, it is going to be turned, inverted, um, somehow played on to get to a, a gospel point. Ordinarily, the theme sentence should be a gospel sentence. Let's check in with our preachers. Uh, first with our challenger, uh,
2: Pastor Eric Brown. Uh, Pastor Brown, how is the, the, the outline going so far?
4: Well, I've got the one done for my congregation, and then I'm thinking up the one that I could do as the guest preacher at uh, Pastor Wolfmore's <laughs> church for his mission. <laughs> <session>. oh. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, man. Two sermons? It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I think you might have a, a pretty good I'm trying contest. to
4: intimidate him now. Is it working? I think
2: I think it is. <laughs> he's, <laughs> pretty, he's sweating right now. I'm shaking in my boots over <laughs> here. I'm, oh, I'm, make, I'm making that extra dish. <laughs> impress
4: the the judges
2: the, all right well you have uh just just a, another minute or a minute and a half to to go so you guys better Get, get, get to it if you're not already close. Well, I should say Pastor Wolfmuller should get to it. Uh, Pastor Brown has several several outlines to choose from. <laughs> now, Dr. McKincher, uh, I know that uh, the, the first part, I know from being in your homiletics class, the first part about good uh, sermon writing is a, a solid exegesis of the text. So I would expect that our preachers have already done A solid exegesis and parsed every
3: verb in the Greek and everything. Uh, Undoubtedly so. Uh, That ordinarily is something uh, an experienced preacher like these two will do in in the space of, oh, you know, 30 to 40 seconds. And They've had well (laughs) past that. Uh, As a matter of fact, ordinarily, when we are not on radio in real time, uh, that uh, is something that involves several hours of good thorough work. It really does bring together a number of things that men learn when they are studying to be pastors. As you mentioned, the use of the original languages, here in this case uh, Greek for the New Testament, or for the most part Hebrew in the Old Testament, uh, and then uh, processing other texts that might have uh, uh, parallel implications. Uh, in some cases, uh, a text is related in more than one gospel, for example, and in in many texts or most texts, there are other passages of scripture that have uh, some implications for understanding uh, a preacher then will look at those other passages uh, he will uh, look at several translations of the, of the passage into English and there are a number of steps that are involved which are really a very very thorough and, and, and testing part of the process yes and ones that we don't take lightly and, and we would
2: hate for that to come across to, in this game but uh, uh, the, like you said the, the ki- time constraints of radio don't uh, allow us to do uh, the full exegesis as we would expect
3: <laughs> All a- right. except for Pastor Brown who's able to not only do the full exegesis but also come up with two or more outlines in you know 10 minutes or so
2: that's
0: right he's even relating this text to the Hebrew verses that, uh, that would be read uh, com- accompanying with them,
2: and you didn't even tell him what those were <laughs> well that actually leads into my next question thank you Pastor Wolf Miller uh, now last time you were on we talked about the use of the, of the lectionary uh, maybe the question now is, is kind of the, the the relation of, of the, the gospel text, for example, in this one, to uh, and, uh, the Old Testament or epistle text. Uh, would, you, would you talk about that just briefly?
3: Sure, yes. In, in our lectionary, that is the schedule of Bible lessons to be read on particular Sundays, the gospel reading, the one we have here, that is from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, is always the one that sets the theme for the day. Then, also read on the same day, would be a passage from the Old Testament, which is always keyed to to the Gospel. In other words, once the Gospel is chosen, then those who designed the lectionary looked in the Old Testament to find passages that are parallel or in other, way, other ways connected. Uh, I, I do happen to know that where this Gospel reading occurs in the, in the lectionary, the Old Testament lesson has a very interesting uh, kind of connection because when uh, God tells Elijah to call Elisha, uh, Elisha asks, to be permitted to do something that sounds very much like what these men that Jesus speaks to ask to do. And while Jesus discourages it here, Elijah tells Elisha, go ahead. Uh, And so it's an interesting challenge in comparing those two lessons to say why no in one case and yes in the other case. And when one looks at the other lessons that are assigned for a particular day it often does direct the preacher in his exegesis to some interesting challenges or twists just like that. When a person has asked that same question, well, why no here and yes here, he often comes across new questions that are very helpful in revealing an understanding of the text you're actually preaching, in this case, the the gospel lesson from Luke. Those helps would have been useful for our preachers today, but it uh, came at the end.
2: Uh, we are out of time, so the preachers need to stop and uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to look at these outlines on Iron Preacher uh, on Table Talk Radio. Iron Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. Table Talk Radio is my favorite Lutheran radio game show. Martin Luther says that
0: the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money, that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God uh, throughout the
1: world.
2: Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of the game, Iron Preacher. And uh, we're, we're ready to look at the Iron Preacher! Really look at the outlines. Let me read the text once again. This comes from Luke chapter nine, beginning with verse fifty-seven. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, "I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him, "The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." And he said to another, "Follow me." And he said, "Permit it first to go. Or permit me first to go and bury my father." But he said to him, "Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God." And another said also, "I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home." But Jesus said to him, "No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God." This is our text, and uh, I think we'll let uh, the challenger, Pastor Eric Brown, to go ahead and uh, read out your your favorite outline first.
4: All right. Uh, The one I have is one I figured I'd write for my congregation here, which is an older, smaller, rural congregation. The the theme would be, we follow Christ through this life unto his kingdom. Uh, The first point would be, I put, the social burdens of being a Christian are real. We are strangers in a strange land. And in that section, I would look at the, uh, the images given say, these apply to us here. This describes us. We have people reject us here. This is something that happens. Uh, point two would be, Christ understands this quite well, for they all happen to him. He puts his hand to the wood of the cross and is nailed there. That would be where I go through the same things, show how they occur to Christ and in his life. And then point three would be, Christ suffers all this not only so we can endure it, but so that he will lead us unto his heavenly home. So I would go through and once say, because Christ has been there, we are able to stand in the face of the trials of this life. But not only that, Christ suffered these trials so that we might be be able to obtain heaven through his grace.
2: Very good. It sounds like a solid one. I think Pastor Wolfmiller is pretty worried this time. Uh, (laughs) I am. Dr. Fikentra, I will uh, leave his outline to
3: your critique. Very good. Uh, hold those for now, or give the give the comments now. Uh, g- give the comments now. Okay, uh, we follow Christ through this life to His kingdom. I think is the, essentially the way I had. Uh, recorded the theme, and I I like that very much as a theme initially. Uh, That certainly does uh, avoid the the problem that I had cited in our discussion earlier about making it essentially an imperative about what we are to do. You know, if you look at this text, you could certainly see things like we should leave aside all distractions, we should follow Christ, etc., etc., and here he has stated it in the indicative, we follow Christ. When you speak in the indicative, what you're, dis- what you're saying, of course, is what is. And the reality is the Christian does, in fact, follow Christ. Uh, that doesn't explain why we follow Christ. There's more to be said, of course. But it does put it in terms of what is happening, which we know to be happening, because the Holy Spirit has created faith in our hearts to believe that Christ is our Savior. We follow Christ through this life to his kingdom. You also see very definitely there the implications of both law problems and gospel solution. Through this life, raises the possibility, which then Pastor Brown develops in the major divisions, uh, of some real strife, some real dangers, some real stresses that people really do experience in this life. But to his kingdom then reminds us that ultimately we will be with him forever in heaven and of course the kingdom of god is not limited to heaven but it actually includes also our being in christ right now the major divisions then i think develop that really quite nicely the uh... he talks about the social burdens of a christian being real and there you're talking about the, the 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 necessity of caring for parents of caring for uh... material responsibilities the uh, bury my father, and so on. All those things are, are very real responsibilities, which must not be short, uh, short shrifted in our understanding. We can't pretend that Christians uh, are ascetics, uh, um, uh, that they live totally outside of those uh, those realities of life. Christ, under, Roman numeral two, Christ understands these stresses well going all the way to the cross for those very things. Uh, This is a beautiful description of the gospel of the incarnation, where God became a human being, lived among us, and because he became a real human being and lived here, he really does understand the stresses we go through. It's very comforting for hearers to know that Christ has experienced all of these things for us and ultimately took all of those stresses, challenges, all which are result of sin to his cross. Then, uh, finally, uh, Pastor Brown says that Christ suffers all of this, not only so that we can endure them right now, but also as uh, uh, the uh, uh, process on the way to our heavenly home. And, of course, that ultimately leads us with the gospel in heaven. It also, though, reminds us that Christ uh, is with us each day as we are experiencing stresses here. I would say this is a very nice outline in itself. No question, it is a good solid law gospel outline with a, a solid theme and developed very nicely, very consistently with the major divisions. I would say my, my one critique on the just first blush, because this is, uh, this is uh, on the fly judging like on the fly outlining, uh, is that there are elements I think of the theme, or rather of the text, that are not necessarily subsumed under that theme. I think there's some some things that uh, could be considered and included in the sermon if if more time were available uh, that would make the the sermon not only a good, solid law gospel sermon, but more precise to the law and gospel of this particular text. Uh, Overall, that's that's a pretty strong critique, though, Evan. I think I I, I like what I've just heard here. All right. Well... uh Pastor Wolfman, are you worried then? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great outline. Holy
0: schmoly. I was uh, taking notes for myself here. Yeah, but you did nice your outline, work, did Challenger. you? No, no, I didn't. I have mine here. So, uh, Dr. Fikincher, if you're ready uh, for I the am second ready. one, I'll give it right to you. Here's the theme. Jesus calls us away from trust in the kingdom of the earth into the kingdom of heaven, which is our treasure and our life. Point one. We are tempted to build roots in the earth, trusting in our homes, our families. We look around us and find our comfort in these things. But, point two, Jesus gives us another kingdom, a greater treasure, where we trust not in ourselves, but the death and resurrection of Jesus and his righteousness. Here I inserted the kingdom or the verse from the Sermon on the Mount, Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And then, point three, The disciples, that's us, are called to rejoice in the death and resurrection of Jesus and find in this our life. And then the sermon then would conclude with the verse that actually comes right before the text read, Luke 9, uh, verse 56, where Jesus says, For the Son of Man uh, did not come to
2: destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay, Dr. Ferenczer, just a a few minutes so you have time to make your judgment.
3: Okay. Uh, The theme, Jesus calls us away from trust in the kingdom of this earth to the kingdom of heaven. Now, I think that is also a very strong theme. I think you've got the wonderful possibility of law there warning us against trusting in things of this earth. And beautiful gospel there in the kingdom of heaven that is before us. Now uh, I gotta gotta say, Pastor Brown, I, I think that one nails the, uh, the the thrust of the text a little more precisely. Uh, Roman number one, basically law. We are tempted to find our trust in the things of this world. Uh, Roman numeral two. And that, of course, is a good, solid uh, warning to each of us. Roman numeral 2, Jesus uh, points us away from the things of this earth to another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, that also is, of course, a wonderful gospel opportunity. Uh, Roman numeral 3, we as disciples rejoice in the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus and find in this our life. Uh, here too, I, th- I think this is all <laughs> th- These are two very good outlines uh, Excellent theme here And the, the, the three major divisions In, in uh, Pastor Wolfmuller's Outline also develop the theme uh, Really quite precisely uh, It also moves very effectively from uh, Law to gospel uh, With the gospel Clearly predominating uh, Here's my, my judgment I would say both of them Are very preachable Both of them are solid law, solid gospel. I would say, uh, and you heard my, my one suggestion for Pastor Brown, that the particular kind of law and the particular kind of gospel in the Iron Preacher's outline is closer to the text, and here's why. This text, I believe, is one that primarily points a finger, an accusing finger, at those who resist following Jesus by making excuses. What Pastor Brown's outline has done is look sympathetically at the kinds of stresses that we experience in a fallen world, which is a very legitimate kind of law, a very legitimate kind of law, because those stresses are all a result of of sin, the fallenness of this world. But Pastor Brown's law points the finger at not only us, but also the fallenness of the whole world, the condition in which we live, whereas Pastor Wolfmuller's law points the finger accusingly directly at the hearers. And I think that's what this particular text does. The result, then, is that Pastor Brown's gospel answers his law very well, but it's not quite the same answer of gospel that this text implies. When you uh, have the law slightly uh, slightly afield from where the text is, if you answer that law directly specifically with proper and appropriate gospel, you will be accurate with the gospel if you are accurate with the law and slightly afield with the gospel if you 're slightly afield with the law. Uh, Both of these, I think, are very preachable sermons. I think in both cases the congregations would be enriched by hearing Christ crucified as the answer to their particular needs. But I think that Pastor Wolf Mueller, the iron preacher's uh, way to go to the cross, is the way this particular text does a little more precisely. I've got to go with the iron preacher.
2: All right. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Call for Kenture of Concordia Theological Seminary, to, for joining us and being the judge and Iron Preacher. Really appreciate it.
3: A delight to be here. <laughs> thank you very much, Evan.
2: And Pastor Eric Brown, uh, do you want to stay with us for the, this last segment where we play Name That Theologian Hollywood Squares style?
4: Oh, I, I suppose I can.
2: All right. Well, we'll do that right after this break. More Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. segment of Table Talk Radio, welcome back, and uh, sticking with us for this last segment is uh, was our, our challenger preacher, Reverend Eric Brown, from uh, Zion Lutheran Church in La Oklahoma. And- My
4: head is hung in shame, but I will lead you right this time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Pastor good. Brown's a good sport. If Evan, if you would have lost, you would have been pouting. And, yeah, I would, we know. wouldn't have this last segment, which yeah, might be a blessing right. for most of our listeners. <laughs> But
0: thanks, Pastor Brown, for sticking with us. I, I, by the way, thought that your Sherman should have taken the crown. Uh, But uh, alas, I'm not the judge.
4: Well, I don't know. I enjoyed yours as well. You could come and preach yours at uh, my congregation anytime. Hey, look at this
0: collegiality. I love it. Just like a synodical convention. (laughs) I,
4: I was there last time. I don't know if that happens too often, but we can make it happen.
2: All right, Pastor Wolfman, why don't you describe how this next game
0: works? Yeah, we have a modified version of Name That Theologian, and the way this works is this. I, uh, I'm going to give quotes to Seminary and Gagline, and they are going to be from one of three theologians, either St. Augustine, Martin Luther, or uh, Staupitz. John's, is John Staupitz first name? I can't even remember. Staupitz was, of course, uh, Luther's superior in the monastery. So I'm going to give quotes from these three theologians, and then Pastor Brown is going to uh, give his recommendation to uh, the radio clown, Gageline, and then, uh and then Evan will either agree or disagree with Pastor Brown's assessment of the situation, and we'll get the points accordingly. So that's how the game works.
2: Sounds good to me. Are you ready, Pastor Brown? I am good to go. I have full faith right. in you, so... Here we go, first quote. Trust not
4: in princes, they are, but mortal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
0: That's true. That's good advice for our listeners, too. Uh, The first quote, uh, worth 200 points. The love of Christ kindles the spirit of the bride, that is, man. Love for God is created by the revelation of the love of God toward us. All right, I'm going to need your
2: help, Pastor Brown.
4: Hmm, well... I am guessing that's either going to be Augustine or Stalpitz. The thing is, I'm going to guess, I'd guess Augustine simply because focus is so heavy on love, and that, that theme of love, that theme of charity, was a strong Augustinian theme. Doesn't seem very monkish. Watch, it'll probably be Luther. So, but I'd, I'd guess Augustine.
2: Okay, well, I was leaning more towards Stalpitz, best because I'm less familiar with his work, and I wasn't familiar with the quotation, but um, oh, I'll, I'll agree with, with uh, Reverend Brown on this one. And the answer is Staupitz.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Seminarian Gay oh. You were right on the cusp of points. Oh, Only no, out of I... ignorance, though. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. You get them any way you can, I know, when you're the radio clown. but uh, Yeah, that is the teaching of Staupitz. Uh, the love of Christ... Uh, kindles the spirit of the bride that is man. So uh, interesting teaching. You know, I think what's kind of marvelous about all of these quotes is that it probably could have been said by any uh, three of them. Uh, at least, uh, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like Luther, but I don't think he would have disagreed with it. So, so there you go. All right, let's get some more uh, points on the line here for another uh, quotation. Wait a minute, how many how many, how many points are available for each of these? Two hundred. 200, okay. Maybe they can carry over, so double or nothing on this one, 400 points. For it is grace alone that separates the redeemed from the lost, all having been involved in the common perdition
2: through their common origin.
4: I don't know. What do you think on that one?
2: I'm I'm leaning towards Luther, but I'm not sure.
4: See, that does... I know Luther would like that a lot. So I'd probably go that way, too. Although it could be Augustine, too. But, I mean, hey, Luther's not – they're all Augustinian – well, Augustine's not an Augustinian monk, but the other two are. <laughs> I think this is Rick. Uh, no, i go with Luther. I, I'm gonna, I, 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 I I encourage you, go with Luther.
2: Okay, I will agree with uh, Reverend Brown again. I'm going to go with uh Luther. I'm the agreeing with you. Is
4: this is wrong. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> same <as> seminary. <laughs> hey, a,
0: there's, a, there's a quote by the same theologian right above that has to do with that. It's only by unmerited mercy that any is redeemed and only well-deserved judgment when any is condemned. So <laughs> uh, so there you go. But the answer is Augustine. Augustine <sighs> said
4: that.
3: Ooh, boy.
0: <laughs> this is a tough game. This is, I mean, perhaps this is really good that you guys are missing them because it demonstrates the point that there's some continuity. But there is a break between Luther and Augustine here. We'll see that uh, in this next quote. Okay, if you're ready. Being justified freely by his grace. It is not, therefore, by the law nor by their own will that they are justified, but they are justified freely by God's grace. Not that the justification takes place without our will, but our will is shown to be weak by the law, that grace may heal its infirmity, and thus healed it may fulfill the law.
4: Do you know which one this is? I'm guessing this has to be stop it because it's that weak will instead of a corrupt will.
2: Okay, I can't disagree with that. The answer is Augustine. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm getting you guys on this one this is
0: and this is the key difference now between St. Augustine and Luther is that um whereas uh Augustine really stands in the early church as the great defender of the doctrine of original sin, he still is h- clings to this Catholic idea of infusion of grace so that grace comes in to strengthen the will which then acts righteously towards god so for for Augustine, justification is a process uh for Luther. Uh, It's not. I haven't quoted Luther yet. Uh, Here's one last quote here, and this is double or nothing, so this is, I think, for 1,600 points, right? Yes. Justification does not take place through works, but by faith alone without any works, and not piecemeal, but completely all at once. The Testament, that is, the gospel promise, includes everything in itself, justification, salvation, inheritance, and blessing. It is appropriated by faith completely at once, not piecemeal. Truly it is plain, then, that faith alone brings such good things of God, that is, justification and salvation, and makes us instantaneously, not gradually, children and heirs, who then freely do good works of all kinds.
4: Hmm. I'm guessing that's Luther, and if he has where it's from, I'm guessing that also might be from freedom of a Christian.
2: Well, I was uh just going to disagree with you on this last one so we'd have a two out of three chance of someone getting it right um however i think that's luther too so i don't think i'm gonna disagree i'm gonna say that's luther as well you're gonna you were gonna sp- spread out your guesses to increase your odds right that is really <laughs>
0: the answer is yes you are right that's luther And this is where Luther really breaks from the Catholic tradition where the idea that justification comes uh, here and there and all over the place and this sort of thing. No, he comes all at once and it's by faith alone. I mean, the Catholics could have said grace alone. Uh, because they had this infused grace idea that now uh, allows our works to be meritorious before God. But no, uh, for Luther, it's faith alone as well that grabs onto this promise of the gospel. And by that faith, we have God's righteousness infu- imputed to us, given to us wholly as a gift. Uh, and so this is Luther. It's from the house apostles. Uh, okay. So I don't, uh, not from the uh, freedom of the Christian, but it could just as well be, right? Uh, he. This is his um, chief teaching, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls.
2: Yeah, I All think right. I think that's uh, right. What you what you said, Pastor? Simon, because uh, with with um, this language of grace, I, I think in, in the in the Catholic theology, we, we hear this language of grace. Uh, um, yeah, that's not absent from their theology, obviously, as you just said. Um, but but the the question is, what then do we do um, after this, this initial grace? Um, and, and several weeks ago, Pastor Wolfman, we we talked about this uh, uh, Roman apologist um, who who was saying that that the, the purpose of the church here on earth is to to show people uh, what to do, to, to the the right thing and the wrong thing to do. And also that that's just a teaching of morality. But this this morality doesn't get give us get us to heaven because we can't keep this even a, a bestowed. Um, this initial grace given by God, we still can't keep the commandments um, on our own. We have to trust in Jesus for that. Right. Well said, too. Hey, we you, you guys want
0: one more? Yeah, why not? Oh, one okay, more. yeah, one more. One more. Why? Why do you torture yourself with such speculations? Look to the wounds of Christ and his blood shed for you. From them shines the predestination.
4: Well, That probably ends up being Augustine, because he did a lot of the good discussions on predestination. A lot of that starts and comes from Augustine, and the fact that he would see predestination being there in Christ makes good sense.
2: And see, uh, hmm, I was leaning more towards Luther. Hmm, okay, I'm going to go with Luther, just... just to just to you know spread out our chances of, of someone getting it right. Watch, it'll be Stalpitz now. Stalpitz. But. The answer is the answer is Stalpitz. <laughs> <laughs>
4: of oh Christ. man, I need to fall on my sword after this show. <laughs> oh. Oh,
0: no, no, you're fine. This is great. This is, in fact, it's Luther quoting Stalpitz, so that Luther. Oh, I was right she, then. So I, well, so I
4: got it. Super wrong. <laughs> They're all Aust- Augustinian monks. I claim everything
1: from Augustine. L- yeah, that's right.
0: All, it all comes from the same thing. But Luther really struggled with this doctrine of predestination, and he says, look here, uh, Stalpitz comforts him with this. When you look at, first at Christ and you see his death, then you see predestination. So, to go, so go to predestination, not searching for the uh, hidden counsel of God, but for what he reveals in his Son, and there's where we have our life and salvation and the comfort of our election as well.
2: That's all the time we have. Pastor Brown, thank you so much for being our guest on Table Talk Radio.
4: Glad to be here. Glad to be here, guys. Keep
2: up the good work. All right. Thank you. Uh, Tune again next week at same time, same place for more Table Talk Radio. We will see you next week.
1: You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message 866 851 5523. Be sure to check out our website tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.